There's a movement abroad in our generation that considers anything that holds to the form of teaching, holds to the scripture as legal. Nothing could be farther from Paul. We obey Christ because we're not under law, but under grace. And real freedom is in being obedient to the scripture. Slavery to God. And it isn't the God of your imagination, I just do what he tells me to do. It's the God of the scripture, I do what he tells me to do. You see the difference? I say it's a simple, simple life, the Christian life. I always have to say, when I say that, I don't mean easy. I mean simple. But we are new creatures in Christ, and we're to be obedient from the heart to that form of teaching to which we've been committed. Welcome to Downtown Bible Class with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Today we continue on our study of the book of Romans. Pastor Scott brings part two of the message titled, Two Slaveries. We invite you to follow along with us now as we get started. You know, deception, we've seen a lot of it in recent years, I suppose, more than ever in our public uh, figures. And it's so obvious how dangerous it is because people start to believe things that are the opposite of reality. And the deceiver himself starts to believe his deceptions. That's the way the scripture says, being deceived and deceiving. And you watch liars and they become convinced of their own lies sometimes. It's a very dangerous thing, deception is. But Christ, he's the great deliverer from deception and sin. And uh, when a Christian finds himself really free is when he finds himself most closely bound to God. And you can turn that around. When you are most given over to pleasing God, you will experience, you will feel, you will actually know freedom in a way that you can't any other way. And that's what he says in verse 16. That's his thesis. You can state it negatively. You can state it positively. The bondage to sin or the bondage to God, the slavery to righteousness that sets free. And when you and I give ourselves over to pleasing him, when we say my goal in life isn't to be happy, my goal in life is to please him, to make him happy, there is freedom in that. There is liberty. The world doesn't know. In fact, the world laughs at it. The flesh laughs at it. The flesh will ridicule that thought. The flesh will argue against that. Uh, young people, your desire in life is to get out there and get what you want. No. No, that leads to a bondage. You can't ever get enough of what you want, even if it's so-called good stuff. But you seek to make what he wants the priority of your life. And there is freedom and real, uh, real, real freedom. Now, even stating it, Paul just bursts into praise. Look at verse 17. Thanks be to God that though you were slaves of sin, you became obedient from the heart to that form of teaching to which you were committed. Just stating the truth again just sets Paul into a burst of praise. Sing for joy in the Lord, O you righteous one. Praise is up, it's, it's becoming to the upright. And when Paul says the truth, he begins to praise God. Thanks be to God that though you were slaves of sin, you became obedient from the heart to that form of teaching to which you were committed. Take a good look at verse 17. What a description of true Christianity. 
true Christianity. It's not outward conformity to a bunch of rules. That's a misconception. But it's inward transformation. He says, praise God, you were slaves of sin, but you became what? Obedient from the heart. There's a transformation from the inside out. And some of you can look back and remember that you say, there's a new me. I was changed. And it was very recent for some of you. Others have been Christians a long time, but you step back and you look at it, you say, this was of God. Your heart was changed. If any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. And you become obedient from the heart. Now look at verse 17, and let me just uh, underline for you that true conversion, true conversion is always characterized by obedience from the heart. Okay? Always characterized by obedience from the heart. Our Christianity will work itself out in our lifestyle. There will be an obedience from the heart where there's true conversion. If any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. My sheep do hear my voice and follow me. This kind of Christianity that says, oh, I believe that and follow the world, that's not Christianity. It's a caricature. It's a false caricature. This kind of Christianity that says you can just kind of give mental assent to things. The world has always had this kind of Christianity. There have been millions of people who can rattle off a creed, but they're not new creatures in Christ. You see, where there's true conversion, you become obedient from the heart. And that's why we use language about the heart. Naturally, we talk to our kids about, is Jesus in your heart? That's because when you believe these things, it isn't just saying, hey, I believe that, that's my religion teaches that. No, there's transformation. You became obedient from the heart. Christ does change hearts. Thanks be to God. And then don't miss... Uh, what he says there, you became obedient from the heart to that form of teaching to which you are committed. Christianity is living to God. You're alive to God, dead to sin, alive to God, he said earlier in the chapter. You're living to God. It's obedience from the heart and it's obedience to that form of teaching to which you are committed. It's obedience to what? The Scripture. Wherever you find hearts transformed by Christ, you find people transformed by the Scripture. You find people loving the Bible. You find a devotion to that form of teaching to which you were, and look at the last, phrase, uh, last word there in verse 17, committed. That's the same word uh, in Greek that he used in chapter 1 when he said, Therefore, God gave them over. Remember that? Men turned away from God, and God let them, and God gave them over to the lusts of their hearts. God gave them over to degrading passions. Three times he says God gave them over. Well, this is the same term. We have been given over in a beautiful way. We've been committed to. We're to be given over to that form of teaching. Oh, what a joy to know Him and to be committed to His Word. See the simplicity of it. Verse 17 ought to be memorized 
And uh, just, just think on the simplicity of it. Christianity is joyful, heartfelt obedience to His Word. That's the Christian life. I know there's a lot of teaching that floats around in the name of grace saying, oh, don't bring me Bible verses and don't give me that. Don't be legalistic. And there's a movement abroad in our generation that considers anything that holds to the form of teaching, holds to the Scripture as legal. Nothing could be farther from Paul. We obey Christ because we're not under law but under grace. And real freedom is in being obedient to the Scripture. Slavery to God. And it isn't the God of your imagination, I just do what He tells me to do. It's the God of the Scripture, I do what He tells me to do. Do you see the difference? That form of teaching to which you are committed. I say it's a simple, simple life, the Christian life. I always have to say, when I say that, I don't mean easy. I mean simple. But we are new creatures in Christ, and we're to be obedient from the heart to that form of teaching to which we've been committed. Having been freed from sin, you become slaves of righteousness. Now he reiterates at verse 19. And by the way, you see in both halves of the chapter, don't you? He states his thesis, and then he reiterates it. And he didn't just say, verse 2, how shall we who died to sin still live in it, and then move on? He said, don't you realize you were dead, you were buried, you were raised? When, you, when Christ died, you died. When Christ was buried, you buried. When he was raised, you were... He reiterated it over and over to get it into our hearts. Well, here he does the same thing. I said the thesis is verse 16. He talks about it a little bit. Then he comes back and says, 19, I'm speaking in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, resulting in further lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness resulting in sanctification. Just as you used to be slaves to sin, be slaves to God. Present yourself to God. Present your members to God. What a picture of the Christian life. What a statement of it. Just as you used to be a slave to the lusts of the flesh, now be a slave to the desires that God has for you. Present your members, young people. There's so-called sexual freedom floating around and people are in bondage. And it may seem they're free for a while and you may be thinking about going the free route. Be careful who's telling you what's free. Satan lies about these things. Sin, in fact, turn over to 2 Timothy. A verse comes to my mind, 2 Timothy 2. Look at the last verse of 2 Timothy 2. Paul is writing to a young man, Timothy, and he describes this same thing. And he's talking about uh, correcting those who are in opposition, if perhaps God might bring them to repentance, leading to the knowledge of the truth. And then look at this last verse. They may come to their senses. When you repent... You come to your senses. That word is sober up. You see, sin is like a narcotic. It's like alcohol. It dulls the senses. And when you repent of sin, when you're cleansed by Jesus Christ, you come to your senses. Sin is narcotic in its desire to to deal with you. 
you can come to your senses and escape, notice, from the snare of the devil, having been held captive by him to do his will. What a description that verse is. What a truth that we were held captive by Satan to do his will. It's the same term. In fact, it's only used twice in the New Testament. It's over in Luke 5. When Jesus called Peter and the rest of the apostles, remember, he said, from now on you're going to be catching, not fish, but men. That's the term he used. You're going to be catching fish, not fish now. You're going to be catching men, he said. And that's that term of catching. And, you know, when a fish gets caught in a net, it's just dealt with. I mean, you can't get out. Well, now he says you're going to be catching men for God. And that's this term he uses. Sin not only is like a narcotic that enslaves and, and puts people in stupor, but it's like a, a net that snags them and snares them, he uses it. So that verse so describes what sin did and then the liberty that Christ gives. People I know uh, argue this and argue this and argue. Every generation hates this truth. It's not just our generation. Every generation ridicules the idea that there is freedom in slavery to God. Don't get yourself caught up in all that religious stuff, they'll say, as if they're free. And they fancy themselves free thinkers, they'll call it, in one generation, you know, and liberated in the next. And every generation talks this way. But people actually think that they're free in sin. Now, they know better sometimes, particularly depending on how far they've been snared into it. I remember one time I was shocked. I was speaking in a uh, philosophy class. In fact, I was part of the philosophy class. Our professor was a Marxist, and we had a five-hour philosophy class on ethics. And you wouldn't believe the drivel in a five-hour class on ethics, when the whole premise was there is no right or wrong. And we're going to study this all semester. (laughs) Well, as I spoke up from the back row occasionally, I did go to class sometimes. Uh, Why, I would face the heat immediately. And so uh, they gave me, at my request, uh, two hours to present why I believed there was an absolute right and wrong, why I believed in God, what Christianity was all about. And so I remember talking about the fact that it doesn't work to try to pretend there's no right or wrong. And of course, that was the whole premise of the class. And then they're trying to build a system of ethics from that. And so I'm saying there is a right and a wrong. And as I'm talking about the liberty and the liberation that Jesus Christ can give, I remember this fellow in the front row. He said, wait a minute. And, of course, there was all kinds of interruptions in that class and, you know, debate, and that was all that was all fine and dandy. Wait a minute, he said, you're talking, the way you talk about Christ, you're talking about slavery. And I said, that's right. And he was shocked. I said, that's right. You see, you're either a slave to your Creator or you're a slave to evil and sin. And I just reiterated Romans 6 to him, and I thoroughly expected him to come right back. But I described it in fairly vivid terms as I looked at him and as I thought of the lifestyles represented in the class. I said, you know, a person fancies themselves free, but they become in bondage to sin, and it captures them. And the Bible says there's only one, there's only two alternatives. You're either one or the other. 
And he was silent. He didn't answer. He didn't respond. He just said, huh. Because he knew. He knew what was going on in his life. And he could see it. And maybe his eyes were being opened. I don't know. But I'll never forget. I thoroughly expected him to be right back. And he just stopped. and was silent. And I went on for another hour. <laughs> oh, until the bell rang. We don't have bells here. <laughs> don't worry. Okay. Now, verse 20 through 22. He gives a final contrast and comparison to these two slaveries. Uh, let me just... He says, when you were slaves of sin, you were free. <laughs> a certain kind of freedom in regard to righteousness. Therefore, what benefit were you then deriving from the things of which you're now ashamed? And uh, the outcome of those things is death. But now, having been freed from sin and enslaved to God, you derive your benefit resulting in sanctification and the outcome, eternal life. Now, contrasted, the slavery to sin, the slavery to God. Notice the slavery to sin leads to bondage, addiction, ensnarement, entanglement. The slavery to God, joyful, obedient, from the heart obedience. Not a legal list of things to do, but a desire from the heart to please the one who called you into his service. Great contrast here. Look at the end result. I mean, look what he says there. He asks the question, what benefit? See it there, verse 21? What benefit? The word there is fruit. You know, he's looking at the results. He says, what about, think about the end of sin, the fruit that it bears, and then the final benefit or end. He says, it brought what? What fruit were you then deriving from the things of which you're now ashamed? Oh, how often, even in a sin-darkened world, even in a world where everybody says, it's okay, we all do it. In fact, we kind of like it when you do it because it makes us feel better. Even in that kind of an atmosphere, who doesn't know about shame? Real shame. And of course, if your eyes are halfway opened, the shame. And as Christians, he says, what benefit were you then deriving? Think back to your life of sin the things of which you're now ashamed. Don't ever think of going back to that, he says. Shame. And then further degradation, because that's what sin does. You know, there's the law of diminishing returns with sin. Sin promises something doesn't deliver, so you try more sin, doesn't deliver. You try more sin yet, and it leads to further and further degradation. And you watch men's lives over a period of a decade that dabbled with sin and then got caught up with sin and then are enslaved to sin and it goes deeper and deeper. And finally, what? Death. Death. And then what about the end for the other slavery? Look at it. Joyous. There's a set-apartness to God. There's a freedom. There's a sanctification there's a holiness of life. And that thought is that there's a wholeness. There's a purity. There's a the way it ought to be. Don't just read sanctification as a, a theological term. To be cleansed for His use. To be useful to the Master. Sanctified, set apart. And finally, 
Notice the outcome, verse 22. Life. Eternal life. Life with a capital L. What a contrast. That's the end. Well, think about now. And you know, when you compare and contrast, it's good to see the similarities too. How do they begin? Well, the slavery to sin begins by birth. The moment you're born, there's a certain bondage to sin. Because we're born into Adam. He just explained that in chapter 5. Remember that? And so you're born into sin. How do you begin this life of bondage to God, slavery to God? By rebirth. Very similar. Rebirth. The beginning is similar. You're born again into a bondage to God that is freedom indeed. Freedom indeed. And as I've said, in both cases, the bondage is inevitable. Born into Adam, bondage to sin. Born into Christ, slavery to God. Now, the final contrast, verse 23, and we'll close. For the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Lest anyone should start to think that as he compares these two slaveries, that he's saying, well, you can earn death or you can earn life. He says, no, there's a huge contrast. Yes, you can earn death. And yes, we deserve hell. The wages of sin is death. But huge contrast. The free gift of God is eternal life. Lest you should start to think that you somehow earn life by obedience or slavery. No, no, that's the result of the life. The life is given as a free gift. And he reiterates, and this becomes, of course, one of the clearest statements in all of Scripture on salvation. We earned, we deserved hell. We are given heaven. We don't deserve it. Now to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is reckoned as righteousness. The free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Maybe you're here and you're like that fellow in the philosophy class. You're realizing right now that sin hasn't delivered the freedom it promised. You thought you'd be free and you're, bond, you're in bondage and you know it. Come to Christ. He'll set you free. Accept the free gift of eternal life in Christ Jesus. And Christian, don't you know, even so, even so, he looks back at the chapter, consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God. Present your members to God. Present your instruments, present your members as instruments, tools of His to live to righteousness. You've been listening to Downtown Bible Class with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Please stay with us. Pastor Scott will return in just a moment with a preview of our next broadcast. Today's program was titled, Two Slaveries, a message from our series in the Book of Romans. If you missed a portion of the message heard on the program today, or you'd like to share it with a friend, head on over to downtownbible.org. A free copy of today's entire message is available there for you to stream or download at your convenience. We're thrilled to announce the publication of a new book written by Pastor Scott Gilchrist. It's called A Brief Exposition of Romans. It's a 266-page chapter-by-chapter commentary on Romans that we're sure will enhance your understanding of this critical book in the New Testament. The book is available online at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and most other online booksellers. 
But during our study of Romans, we'd like to send you a copy as a thank you for a gift of any amount to the ministry of Downtown Bible. You can find us online at downtownbible.org or by mail at P.O. Box 19191, Portland, Oregon, 97280. We'd love to put this valuable resource in your hands. Downtown Bible only remains on the air through the generous contributions of listeners like you. We'd like to ask you to prayerfully consider partnering with us on a regular basis to help us meet our day-to-day expenses. Now, before we end our time today, let's go to Pastor Scott for a preview of our next broadcast. In Romans, salvation is not limited merely to justification, is not limited merely to forgiveness and saying, well, I've been delivered from the penalty of sin. No, in Romans, and in fact, in all the Bible, salvation is complete deliverance. God doesn't do a partial job when He saves us. He wants us saved not only from the penalty of sin, but from the very power of sin. And Christianity transforms lives from the inside out. If any man is in Christ, he's a new creature. Sanctification, that being set apart to the holiness of God, being set apart to a holy lifestyle, is a vital part of salvation. And if I said, we are justified by faith, I would add, we are sanctified by faith. In both cases, it is God's grace, and in both cases, we lay hold of it by faith. Join us again next time as we continue our series through the book of Romans. Pastor Scott brings a message titled, Dead to the Law. Until then, may the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you.